Such a good way to start the semester, uh, such a good way to start TLR here in the spring. We are really, really glad that you are here. Uh, I don't know how many of y'all are here for home night at the end of the fall. How many of y'all are here at home night at the end of the fall? Best possible way to end a semester. And so we are on the heels of that. And during this long break we've had, six, seven weeks apart, we are really excited to be back together, especially now at the beginning of the new year, because we've got some big things planned for this year. And we believe God's got some big things planned for you. Now, I say that, but I also know what's true is that you probably got some big things planned for you too. Uh, You've probably had some ideas about how you can get better tomorrow than you are today. That's what all of us want, and that happens so often this time of year. And so what we typically do around this time of year is we set goals for ourselves. We have resolutions that we make, commitments that we're going to go after. What we really do is we set a target for where we want to be. Because we live in this gap, every single one of us, whether it's your first time here, it's your one millionth time here, you're on a gap year, you're a freshman, doesn't matter. What's true for all of us is where we are currently is different than where we wanna be one day. We want to grow from where we are now to where we want to be one day. So what we do is we set a target for where we're gonna be. And we know this is true because all of us, or most of us, or a lot of people, set New Year's resolutions. How many of you set a New Year's resolution this year? Just show me hands, show me hands. Okay, some of y'all are like, I already lost it, so I'm not raising my hand, it's fine. So some of y'all set New Year's resolutions. How many of y'all got goals for your year? You set goals for your year. You've got, whether it's a New Year's resolution or not. No, we do this. We set targets that we want to go to, but here's what typically happens. And you know, this is true, is that you were like, I'm going to go to the gym. And then you stopped, right? We're 18 days in. It doesn't matter. I'm going to get all my school assignments done on time. And you're already two weeks in late. You're like, I'm not going to eat any sugar. And then Jenny's ice cream showed up and a bite turned into a pint before you knew it because there's magic in that stuff. You know what I'm talking about, guys. This isn't my story. I'm just saying maybe it's yours. Maybe it was you. Or maybe you were like, I'm going to wake up early starting in the new year. Starting in 2023, I'm going to wake up early. Anyone come up with a thing if they want to wake up early, earlier than they normally did? Good. Then you're on TikTok till 2 a.m. and then the morning was your worst enemy. I get it. See, a lot of us, what happens is we set targets and goals of destinations we want to reach. But at some point in our life, at some point on that journey, what happens for most of us is eventually we miss the target. We miss the target that we were going after. Our our resolution failed. Our goal was not reached. Now, I'm not telling you what to think, but here's something maybe to think about. I think one of the reasons why we miss those targets in our life is because most of the time we set targets for where we want to be based on a reaction to our past. A reaction to our past sets our resolutions of where we want to go. I didn't like the way I looked in the mirror, so now I'm doing this. I didn't like the scale. I didn't like the feeling. I didn't like the relationship. I didn't like the emotion or the anger. I didn't like this back then, so now I want to change moving forward up to then. But what happens is, We focus on the past in that moment that we had, that thing that we want to change because we don't want it anymore. And so we set a target for the future, but what happens is that we keep looking to the past. And what I know to be true is that if your vision is constantly behind you, you can never hit a target in front of you. And so while looking to your past can actually inform where you need to go, at the end of the day, We gotta start looking forward. We gotta start looking to the future. We gotta have intentionality about where we're going. You've gotta dream about where you wanna end up. 
You can't just sit here and say, because of what it was, I don't want that anymore. Unless something changes, nothing's going to change. And so, what you need is one word I wanna talk about tonight. What every single one of you need in order to get from where you are now to where you want to be this semester, the end of this year, the end of this season, every single one of us, we need vision. You need vision. You need somewhere to set your sights. You need a vision for where you wanna go that's in the future, that sets where the target is, that's not just focused on the past, but actually looks to where you wanna go. You need vision. And so many of you have a vision of what your life can be. So many of you have big dreams and goals and aspirations and ambitions for where you want to go. And that informs the decisions that you make. But the question I wanna ask you tonight as you come up with the vision, as you have that idea of it is, is this, how do you know that your vision is the best vision for your future? How do you know that your vision is the best vision for your future? Because here's what's true again for all of us is you want that vision for your future to be the best possible vision. This is what you all want. No one's ever like, I can't wait to have a mediocre tomorrow. Please God, in the name of Jesus, would you let it be okay? Like, no, we never pray for half. We always want in full. We want a better tomorrow than we have today. Nobody wants just okay. But without the right vision, you're never going to reach the right target. You need vision. And we know that this is true. This is timeless wisdom and timeless advice for all of us. Solomon, back in the book of Proverbs, actually gives this timeless advice about vision. Here's what he says in Proverbs 29. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, you may have heard this statement before. You may have heard this line before, because a lot of people take this idea about needing vision, and without vision, you're going to end. People will perish. And they apply it to themselves, or maybe you've been around someone who says, well, there's no vision, the people perish, and so they apply it to their job, or they apply it to a staff. It becomes a leadership term about the vision that we need to create. But what Solomon knew, and something that we need to learn tonight, is that the actual translation of this word vision in Proverbs chapter 29 is not a man-made vision. If you actually look into the translation of this word, the definition, it is a divine or god made vision. So Solomon is saying that it's not when I don't have vision, people will perish. He's saying when God and where God doesn't have vision, people will perish. There's a different way, a different translation that says it this way. Maybe you can see it a little differently. It says if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. So the question I asked you is, how do you know that your vision is the best vision for your life? Because maybe you haven't thought about it before. But what Solomon just taught us, this timeless advice from Proverbs almost 3,000 years ago that's still true today, what this wisdom teaches us and that you can learn tonight is that the best vision for your life is God's vision for your life. The best vision for your life of where you wanna go is God's vision for your life. So again, I'm not telling you what to think, but I want you to, I wanna give you something to think about. 
Because if God's vision for your life is the best vision for your life, then really what we need to figure out is, oh, that's awesome, Matt. So what's God's vision for my life? And for so many of us, that is a question that trips us up. That's a question we're curious about. What's God's will for my life? What's his vision for my life? What does he want out of my life? We wanna figure that out. This is the season of life. When we ask a question like that, maybe more than any other time in our life. So can I tell you what God's vision for your life is? I know the answer to this. I know the answer because it's written in there. It's what Solomon just said, and it's what you can find. God's vision for your life is that he wants to have a relationship with you. God's vision for your life, the best vision you can have in your life, is that you would have a relationship with him. That you would start to see that he loves you first before you even love him back. And so that perfect vision for your life, that best vision for your life, God's vision for your life, is that you would realize that he loves you first and then you would choose to love him right back. And so there's a guy that I wanna spend a few minutes telling you about who figured this out. Solomon knew this to be true a long time ago, but there's someone who came along about a thousand years later, right after the time of Jesus. And I think that this guy would have been someone that typically in our world and in our culture, we would have elevated we would have called him somewhat of a role model. He would have been someone we would have looked at and been like, that's what I wanna be like. That's what I wanna figure out. Because this guy had all the opportunities in the world. He had all the accolades. He had all the money. He had all the opportunity. He had all the ambition and he was reaching his goals. His vision for his best possible life is what he was actually living out. And then he met Jesus. And what we see this guy named Paul tell us is that his life never even started until he met Jesus, until he took God's vision and allowed it to become his vision for his life. And so in the book of 2 Corinthians, it's this letter to the church in Corinth. I'm gonna read it to y'all from here. You can follow up here. Some of you are like, what's that book in this hand? This is called Bible. Uh, it's not only on a screen or on your phone. It's an actual book. And I'm gonna read from it a lot this semester because I want us to understand and how to use this. And so in 2 Corinthians, it's this letter that Paul writes to the church in Corinth. They're a young church. They're an early church. They're trying to figure out how to follow Jesus and what their faith actually is and, and what it means and how they live. And Paul's sitting there telling them vulnerably and honestly from his story, what happened to him. And so in 2 Corinthians Chapter five, what we actually see is Paul tell us what happens. And here's, sorry, here's how it starts in verse 14. It says, Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. His word has the first and last word, his love as the first and last word in everything we do. And so even right here, it begs the question. What Paul figured out is that God's vision for his life was the best vision. And that vision ultimately was a relationship with him. And out of that love, of that relationship, here's what Paul tells us. Is that it's his love that moved him. His love that drove him. It's Jesus's love for Paul that compelled him to do everything that he did. And so if you are not living out of the love of Jesus for you, if the reality and the fact that Jesus loves you is not compelling you, is not driving you, is not moving you, then you're not living out God's vision for your life. 
Because what Paul figured out is that it is the best vision for my life. And so then Paul continues, thankfully, to talk about the reality that if that's God's big vision for your life, then how is it that we can find the right target to get there? How can I find the right target in my path? How can I set my sights and my focus on the right thing to be able to live out that vision of that relationship in my life? And so Paul continues. He goes on in verse 14, verse 15. Here's what he says. He says, our firm decision, our resolve is to work from this focused center. Now he says focused center. That really means like the middle of something or if you're with me, the bullseye. You could really change that word center to target. For our sake, let's just put target right there. Our firm decision, Paul says, is to work from this focused target. In other words, this is the center of where we find it. This is where we place our attention. This is what we go after in order to find God's vision for our life. And it's very simple. It's this. It's that one man died for everyone, period. Paul would sit here and say that if you're trying to figure out what your life looks like and you wanna find the best possible life for you and you wanna know God's vision for your life, then the target you focus on is the fact that one person died for everyone. And he actually continues to talk about the relationship of that and what that means because truthfully, if he died for everyone, that means that he died for you. That means that Christ died for you and for me and for all of us. It means he died for your friends that are in this room. It means he died for your friends that aren't in this room. That means that he died for the person that you disagree with. That means that he died for the person that you just can't stand. That means he died for the person that hurt you. It means he died for the person who did something wrong to you. He died for those family members that you just resent. When it says that one man died for everyone, it truly means everyone. And so he continues to talk about that target and what this actually means. He says what that does is that puts everyone in the exact same boat. The fact that one man died for everyone, that puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrected life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. If you think the best vision for your life is what you can do for your life, Paul would sit here and say, I tried it and I'm telling you right now, the best possible vision for your life is the vision that God has for your life. What is that vision? That he wants to be in a relationship with you. What's the target to help you get there? It is Jesus and only Jesus. That's what he wants for you, is he wants you to find that relationship. Jesus wants you to find the more and better life than you could ever dream of. Come up with your wildest dream of whatever that vision for your life is. Jesus wants more for you than you could ever do on your own because he loves you and because he wants a relationship with you. And so if you've never heard that before, or maybe you have heard it before, but it's never hit home in the right way, let me just explain. That's the good news. That's good news, that there's a God in heaven who isn't making you become perfect so that you can be good enough to be with him. He's sitting here saying, no, I'm gonna do everything possible out of my love for them so that I can be with them. They don't have to get up here to me. I'm gonna come down there to them 
through the person of Jesus because I want a relationship with them. And that's how Paul ends this letter. In verse 20, he goes on to say, it's kind of this charge, this challenge to you. Here's what he says that you can do and that you should do. He says, become friends with God because he's already a friend with you. See, that's the beautiful part. That's the scandalous part about grace is that whether you love God right now, he already loves you. Whether you love Jesus right now, he already died for you because he died for everyone. And that means you. And you get to have a relationship with him. In the very next verse, how? Well, how is that possible? How, you ask? Well, let me tell you, Paul says, in Christ. God put, this is why you can have a relationship with him. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so that we could be put right with God. God put the wrong that we have done on Jesus and then Jesus died on the cross so that when he defeated death and rose from the dead three days later, that resurrected life, now we could be put right with God. And why is that something for you? Why is that what he did? Because at the end of the day, what you need to know is that his vision for your life is that you'd have a relationship with him. Because Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. If there's nothing else that I could ever say here at TLR, it's the reality that Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done. Like I need you to focus in and understand this. You've got questions? Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. You messed up? Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. You feel unworthy of being loved? Well, Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. You've got questions about your sexuality? Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. You're wrestling with your identity? Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. There's not a single thing that I can come up with that gets you away from the reality that Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. You've hit rock bottom. You've got doubts. Life isn't good. You messed up. You feel like it's too far gone. And he would sit here and say, no, because I died for everyone because Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. That's his vision for you. And his desire for you is that you would find your definition of your life based on that. That you would see God's vision for you is that you would want to have a relationship with him. And that you would set your target of how to get there by focusing on Jesus. It's available to everyone. You just have to choose it. Because see, what's real is we can hear the fact that God's vision for us is the best vision for us. But we've got to choose to want that life. And what happens to so many of us, especially in this season, is we get distracted. And then things pop up from our past. And we start looking behind us instead of at that target. And before long, that vision we had that inspired us to set that target of Jesus, everything in the world gets in between our vision of the target. And so now there are things in the way. And Jesus is sitting here saying, I wanna hand you more life, but your hands are full. And so the question as we talk about your vision for your year, before we jump into everything else this semester, the thing we need to talk about and the thing you need to figure out is what's getting in the way of Jesus being your target? What's getting in the way 
of Jesus being your target. Because you're never going to find that vision for your life unless he becomes the target. Because Jesus is the only way that you can have a relationship with God. He is inviting you into a relationship because he loves you. It's his vision for you. It's what he desires for you. But because so many of us put things in the middle, we miss the target. We're not able to even see it anymore. And so we start focusing on the past or we shift our eyes away or we focus on the things that are in the way. For some of you, it's a boy or it's a girl. It's something or someone that you've been chasing. Maybe for you, it's the idea of a career or decision you've got to make in the future. Maybe for you, the thing that's getting in the way is your sexuality. Maybe it's your mistakes. Maybe it's your shame. Maybe it's your selfishness. Maybe it's your pride. Maybe it's your guilt. Maybe it's the fact that you've made mistakes. And maybe it's just the fact that it doesn't fully make sense to you logically or within your reason. And it's keeping you from actually making it your target. Can I tell you what mine is? See, in 2023, I want to make more decisions that allow me to set Jesus as my target. I want to hit that goal so that I can find that full vision for my life. And for me, you wanna know what mine is? It's my phone. It's this. This, I realize, has become such a source of distraction in my life. It's become such a source of temptation in my life. And what I've chosen to do with my phone is spend all of my moments where I want to be comforted or find convenience, I run to this. So this has become the regulator of my emotions. And so what I decided and what I figured out is, if Paul tells us and Solomon tells us that we need to let him have the first and last word on everything we do, then before I go to bed, I'm putting my phone to bed. Something simple I'm just adding into this year. So before I go into my bedroom with my wife, I go to the kitchen and I plug my phone in and I leave it there. And then I use, ready for it, something called an alarm clock. <laughs> Crazy technology in 2023, guys. But for me, this has become a distraction. It's getting in the way of my relationship with Jesus. And I'd rather lose the convenience of a phone for two hours a day than lose my relationship with Jesus. So I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get it out of the way. And it feels disorienting and it feels a little weird. But what I'm doing now is when I wake up in the morning, I'm not immediately grabbing my phone. I'm immediately going to Jesus. I'm giving him the first word of my day. And then at the end of my day, rather than sitting there and scrolling through something else for two more hours when I should just be sleeping, I'm praying and thanking God for my day. I'm giving him the last word of my day and everything that happens in my day. Something was getting in the way and I needed to move it out of the way so that I can put my focus and my target for this year on Jesus. I don't know what yours is, but I know what is most likely real for all of you is that there's something. There's something in the way from where you currently are to where you would like to be one day. There's something in the way from where you currently are in the possibility of you living out that vision of God that he has for your life. There's something in the way from where you currently are now to where he wants to take you this semester. He wants to take you this season. There is so much more that he has in store for you if you would simply realize what is in the way and get it out of the way. 
move it so that you can focus on him. And so what we wanna do is give you some space before we jump into this semester to figure that out. What is keeping you from allowing yourself to focus on Jesus? What, what's getting in the way of Jesus being your target this year? Maybe it's the reality that you set a vision for yourself that you never actually asked God to be a part of. And he's sitting here saying, I got even more than that if you want it. You just gotta choose it. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna give you some space to navigate this, to think about this, to pray through this, to confess this. And if you want it, if you wanna choose it, we're just gonna ask, do you think it's worth it? And so what would it look like if we took a few moments before the semester really begins and we just started getting stuff out of the way so that we can focus on Jesus? So what we're gonna do is the band is gonna come out and sing a song, but they're gonna sing it over you. Because what we want you to do is there's a card in your seat, there's a pen that we put in there as well. And that card is just an opportunity for you to find the prompt to really navigate what God may be wanting to tell you right now. And maybe you've never had a conversation with him. Maybe he's never actually said anything to you in your mind and you're not really sure what he would say. Maybe you still feel like you can't even approach him because of everything you've done, because of everything that's in the way. And I'm telling you right now that the good news is that you can approach him. The good news is that because of Jesus, you can have a relationship with him because he is crazy about you and because he already knows what's in the way. So what would it look like for you to get honest over the next few moments? Maybe that means that you're gonna read the scripture that's on that piece of paper, that Proverbs 29 scripture, and you're gonna allow that to be your prayer. Maybe it means that you're gonna look at those questions that are on that paper and you're gonna start to write down what those things are that are getting in your way of allowing him to be your goal or allowing your life to be lived for him. And if you're like, I got even more than this, Matt, you didn't give me enough space. It's all right, turn it over to the back. We gave you a lot of lines so that you can write, so that you can respond, so that you can get God's vision for your life. Because God's vision for your life is the best vision for your life. And so as the band comes out to sing over you, I'm gonna pray for you as you go into the next few moments. You'd have the courage to be able to respond. You'd have the courage to be able to be honest. And then maybe, just maybe, God might speak to you in a very unique way tonight. Let me pray. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving us so much that you don't want us to live a half life. You don't want us to stay in the darkness. You don't want us to stay drowning in our anxieties and in our fears and in our worries and in our attempts and our trying to make things better. Because God, you know that we want better tomorrow than we have today, but what I know is that you want that to happen through you because it's the only way that it can. So in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would give these students courage to be honest you would give them such clarity about what they need to get out of the way. And then whenever that thing pops up and whenever they actually are aware of what it is, Father, I pray that you would walk beside them to help them move it. Because this isn't a test. It's simply the reality that you love us. So Jesus, thank you. As we respond, as we write, as we pray, as we think, I pray that every one of these students would understand 
that you loved us first. And that means we get to love you right back. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.